this is Max, and this is The Uncommon Truth, in search of the church the way Jesus meant it to be. This week on The Uncommon Truth, Steve's back, and we are talking about a practical question that should be of value to most believers out there. We're asking the question, what is the role of individual believers in the church? Here in North America, we're surrounded by so many people that have yet to trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and as individual believers, we often end up leaving the work of evangelizing and sharing the gospel and making disciples to paid church staff. But with so many unreached people, is it realistic to wait for the paid pastors and youth pastors and evangelists to share the gospel with them? Or do we have a role to play in that ourselves? We're also going to be talking about that hard line that exists between working in the marketplace vocationally and serving in ministry. Why is that such a big difference? And, and can we have both together at the same time while we try to bring about the kingdom? Steve and I are going to talk about all those questions and more this week on The Uncommon Truth. All right, well, Steve, welcome back from wherever it was you were. All uh, over the world. It's we, so good to be back. We had Jordy joining us in your absence, and he did great. He's got such a good voice for a podcast, just like, hey. Yeah, I was able to listen, and it was pretty awesome stuff. Yeah. So so where were you? What? Tell us, Tell us all about it. Well, first we cruised across the ocean from Florida to Europe, and um, then we cruised, all, went to Copenhagen, and then we cruised all over uh, the Baltic, so nice. Eastern European, Scandinavia. And, okay, uh, it was just flat amazing. The trip of a lifetime, privilege, it just amazing the blessings in our life. Yeah, so I didn't, um, I I told people you were away, and we obviously had Jordy on. But tell us, like, what was the occasion? Why were you guys on this super cool cruise? Well, 40 years ago, I chased my love down and led her to Jesus and mm-hmm. married her 60 days later. And that was 40 years ago this year. Yeah. So right now, while we were on the cruise, she celebrated 40 years of having met Jesus back in 1979. Yeah, that's worth celebrating. Yeah. And I, and then coming up, we're celebrating 40 years of having been married. So. Okay. And it's been an ecstatically wonderful ride. And we just said, about the 30th year, 30th anniversary, I said, I want to do 30-day vacations because I've worked two full-time jobs my whole life. Mm-hmm. I've always been a contractor and always been, you know, leading some kind of pastoral ministry. Yeah. So... um just decided to start at 30 years doing 30 day vacations and work hard the rest of the year and take small little weekends here and weekends there. But, uh, it really is phenomenal in terms of connecting with the Lord, Mm -hmm. quieting the noise and getting vision and direction. And I would say most of the directions we've gotten in the last 10 years have happened on my vacations. Okay. That's good. That sounds amazing. Well, Okay, my first thought is I used to take a lot of pictures of the Northern Lights and and the, mm-hmm. I don't know. Did you see the Northern Lights at all when you're up in like Finland and? No, because they're at that time of year where they stay dark oh, until right. eleven at night and they're the morning is four oh, o'clock. So it's yeah, like it's bright it, all the time. It's, it's not really dark, dark. Yeah, and it's dark for five hours. Okay, and then my my next thought is what did the did you look at the stars when you were out on the. Out in the middle of the Atlantic? Did Quite you ever... frankly, I was never awake okay. <laughs> when it was dark. Never once. I oh, slept man. really good. Woke up around 4 o'clock. It's already morning glow, you know? Yeah. I'd see the morning glow around the curtains in the room. Yeah. And I'd know the sun's coming. I'd get up. 
So what's the hardest thing to adjust to on the ship when you're like, when you're on a ship for that long, what's, what's hard well, to adjust to? For me, there's not much adjustment because I do nothing better than I do anything on earth. <laughs> I do a lot of things well, but doing nothing is my number one skill yeah. in this world. And so I don't have to adjust much. Now, leaving Florida going east, you have a bunch of 23-hour days in a row. The clock is set forward uh, at least, uh, let's see, from Florida oh, at six times. So wow. you have a bunch of 23-hour days, and you think jet lag wouldn't come into play, but it you get tired. You suddenly don't know why you're tired. That didn't even cross my mind. Yeah, yeah. It's six twenty-three hour days, and your your body's not your tempo. Your body clock is not set for that. I think it's worse than the whole nine hour change from flying home. Yeah, that was two days, and I was done. But the other one, it just it kept it kept being weird, weird feeling. That's super interesting. I've never been on. The only time I've been on a boat that size was on a ferry between like (laughs) England and Ireland or Wales and Ireland, and. On the way there, it was a pretty big boat, and I didn't notice it. On the way back, we had rough, a rough channel, and I remember feeling I was as green as Ireland. Oh, oh man. going across the Atlantic Ocean, there were 70-mile-an-hour winds, 40-foot waves, 40-foot seas, and that captain had us, I mean, we were relatively comfortable. I know yeah. a lot of people got seasick, but I didn't even get woozy. Wow. Which is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you want on your, your vacation? Yep. All right. So did you feel like you, you got that good connection you were looking for? I got that good connection. You're back at it, ready oh, for did. ready for whatever he's got for us? I have vision. Okay. I have vision <laughs> for the near future anyway, the next day, and the next day, and the next day. So that's, that's how I do it. I just go forward following the Lord like breadcrumbs, like a, what is it, a bird? Who follows breadcrumbs, a bird? Uh, Hansel and Gretel? No, yeah. they dropped them, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Well, in our house, the ants follow the breadcrumbs. But I'm following breadcrumbs, so I guess it's me. Okay. And I'm following the... I have a few breadcrumbs out in front of me to follow, and we got some plans for the Father's house and the services. All right. And uh, maybe my own um, own brain, my own thought waves of what, what is good and what is bad in my head. All right. Yeah. So, so stay tuned to the podcast for more, <laughs> for what's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the breadcrumbs yeah. to follow, right? Yes. Today, today, we're talking a little bit more of a... A practical discussion than we usually have had in the past. Um, this this is from a time after I came here on Project Sixty One short term mission. Uh, Shreya and I came here, and we we were actually it was during mud run season, which we're in right now. We're getting ready for the Lord's Gym mud run. We were out there all day yesterday working on the course. It's beautiful. But after after that, uh, when when we had visited and we went back home to Manitoba, Canada, I kept having this thought, and I was reading. I was reading, or somebody had a sermon. I can't remember what, but the the uh, Ephesians chapter four came up, and I got to the part here. I'll read it here because this is this is some context. Um, Ephesians four eleven and twelve, uh, and he he being Jesus gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, and. And Paul there just keeps going on and on as Paul does, and I'm pretty bad at that too. But my thought process during that time was, well, that's really far away from every church I've ever been in. And it just, in North America, I haven't seen that. Um, I kept asking my, myself the question, so there's so many people in, in the communities around us, and we, we drive through, we walk through, we spend time in that 
you just know they don't have Jesus. They don't, they don't have a ton of hope. They don't have a ton of peace and their, their lives show it, especially around here. Right. Uh, that Jordy talked about that a little bit. Like you, you need Jesus around here to even survive. Right. right. Um, but yet in, in our communities, we see all these people that don't know Jesus and we really are relying on so very few people to go out and tell them or show them or be ambassadors. Like we talked about last week, ambassadors for Christ. So it just, it, it tickled my mind. It was like a splinter in my brain for a long time. Like whose job is it really to, to do what the church is supposed to do? So before we get into that, like in your mind, Steve, what does, what is the local church? What is a local church there for? What are we supposed to do? So the beginning of the local church is to gather in a fellowship. And this whole chapter is about the unity of faith. Mm -hmm. So what he's saying is all of these gifts are given out and all of these people are brought together in all of these gifts for the purpose of gathering to become in unity, to Mm -hmm. become stones in the body of Christ. And it even goes on to very specifically state to become usable members of the body. Now, in this case, you would think of hands and ears. Mm -hmm. In other places, it's more like stones on the chief cornerstone. Jesus telling Peter, you're a sliver of their chip off the old block. You're a Mm -hmm. sliver of the rock on, on this sliver, on this rock. Jesus, I'm going to build my church with slivers like you. So we're all supposed to become building blocks of what the church is supposed to be. Now, the problem is pretty much across Western theology for, oh, reading the plaques on old churches, it's thousands of years. The pastor is the – everybody gathers to hear one person's gifting. Everybody gathers for one person's work, and the others do little bake sales and little things. But Mm -hmm. the work of the church is done by one man, and the crowd sits in awe. And I just don't – I have never thought that was really what this – what this encouragement of the New Testament is. It's supposed to be the gathering – we come together. Someone does speak. We do have giftings. We worship together, corporate worship. It's all, all well, really well laid out and you know acted upon. But then we're supposed to leave the doors, and 100% of the people are supposed to do the work of the gospel, the work yeah. of the saints, the work of the church. And so I think today it's real popular to say these five, these are it. And the church is supposed to be governed by fivefold ministry. And okay. I just think that's a ridiculous response to this chapter in context. The response should be I don't care who you are, get up, stir those good gifts. Like he, see, he goes on to say, stir up those good gifts. You know, he's real clear about getting the church stirred mm-hmm. up to use their gifts. Here he names a few, teaching. Everybody should teach, but some are really teachers. Everybody should prophesy, but some really are, that's their main gifting. He even says to the Corinthians, I want each one of you to prophesy in time, each Mm -hmm. one to give a tongue. He doesn't mention tongues here or wisdom or anything else. He just mentions five, and in the New Testament, there's many, but the real overall picture is get everybody's gifts going, everybody's gifts being used, and everybody out in the community showing Jesus through their giftings. Yeah. 
everybody can prophesy, but there are those specifically who prophesy. And we want that. We want you feel like you're a prophetic person, prophesy. You feel like you have a, something to teach. Come, we'll, we'll refine, we'll work on that to get your gifts going. We'll stir up those good gifts. And the apostle one, it's kind of hard to have many apostles, but there should be apostles in your community all for the purpose of the unity of faith and the unity of the church. We're building one church worldwide. In Orville, there's 70, but we should be building one church. The congregation should be just, we're here using this congregation to reach people who look, who think like we think, like what we like, and want to get busy doing what we're doing. Okay. So what we're doing, like the purpose of the local church, just really practically, like if I think of, okay, so what we need to do as the church... We've got to, obviously, we have to take care of each other, like in the church, right? We have to look after each other. Right. Um, I, I see that in the New Testament. And we have to then look outside of our walls and start taking care of our communities. Right. Right? We have to share the gospel with them, and we have to disciple people up. That's, you know, pretty simple Great Commission sort of stuff. And so where I was tripping up is... It seems like we're leaving that all to just just a few, right. right? And and it's the reason I say it's a practical discussion. It's because it is. It's like, well, what do I do then with my day to day life as a as an ordinary believer? Right? I might have some of those gifts. I might need to be stirring up more of those gifts. But as as I am, what can I do? Is is the baseline of what I do just come to church and and pay the salary of somebody who can do the work of the kingdom or not, does, not at the Father's house, but at a lot of churches, that's the case. That's what you're asked to do. Yeah. Here at the Father's house, that is as far away from the communication as possible. When I tell people that we have 60 people in full-time ministry, they're just blown away. They are shocked. Yeah. And we have 40 more than that we're trying to get to get busy and get going, to pick up the mantle, stir up their gifts, and begin to lay them out there for the community. Yeah, that's like 40, that's really like 40% of our our attendance on a Sunday are staff and team. And, Full-time ministers, right. yeah. yeah. Out there doing the work of the gospel. Now, if you add the other 40, you know, they might be clients, they might be in LRM, or they might be students in the school of ministry. They're actually in full-time ministry, too. Right. I don't care if you're weed-eating for the purpose of holding an evangelistic event so people are not standing in tall grass. You're still as you're still using the gifts you have. You're using what you have with the knowledge level you're at to get to prepare the way. John, yeah. the, John the Baptist, to make straight the way for the Lord. And the goal here is not just feed the hungry. I was hungry, and you fed me thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. It's my soul was hungry, and you brought me living water. Hmm. It's my soul was hungry, and you gave me bread that came down from heaven. So there's a spiritual component to reaching the community. And my frustration is the church is not at the pool healing the lame guy in very many instances in the whole world. And so what's missing? In my opinion, it's the unity of faith. We're against each other way too often. Hmm. Um, we need to... The real unity of the faith is blessing what another is doing who is doing something that's not with you, not 
maybe how you would do it. And I think that when I speak to pastors in gatherings, I'm always saying what we should be doing is trying to bless what we are doing, not be upset they're not doing it with us, or okay. they do it different than us, and start blessing the work of the gospel so that people of different backgrounds and natures, even languages or music uh, preferences, can go out and do what they do, and we can support them instead of resisting them or being against them. And I think you can read Facebook and see how much we're argumentative towards even other people's viewpoints, Yeah, which yeah. is disunity of faith. And I think more than anything, that's what the church needs to do, is send us out into the gospel, out into the community to bless those who work in the gospel, mm-hmm. who are doing the gospel work. And just my opinion about this verse is we're taking it to try to build a structure with it when all he's really trying to tell us to do is get unified with our giftings. There are different giftings, get unified with them, and do the work of the gospel and get out and do it. Right. And so at the Father's house, we, our whole message is get up and get going. Yeah. Like, get out of here. Let's let's get come together, get some talk, let's get some teaching, let's get on one one idea with those of us in this building, and then let's get up and go. Yeah, Jordy said that last week. So you oh, got to really? do something, right? He yeah. he said, you know, that's great. Now do something. You actually have to do something with what you've been given. We were talking last week about uh, the the Holy Spirit. Why do we even have the Holy Spirit? Is it just to get us through, get us through our Monday? Is it you know we rely on a lot of the things that the Spirit gives us? But I my question was was I am I actually doing anything that I need to rely on the Spirit for? And and I had to, before I came here, I had to answer no. Actually, <laughs> I I had been running the camp and I at when I was new at it, I had to rely on the Spirit a lot. I had to rely on God's presence every single day because it was new and it was difficult. And after seven years, it became something that I was, I could do almost in my sleep. And you come up, you know, a parent comes or a, a staff concern comes, and you're like, oh, yeah, well, I know how to do that already. But uh, so I, I realized at the end of my ministry there, I wasn't really super dependent on on Jesus in my life to get stuff done. And, and that convicted me like, well, I need to, I think I need to go somewhere as scary as that is, I need to go somewhere where I actually have to depend on God because it's not going to get done without him. Right. Yeah. So that, that's cool. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to episode six with Jordy. Um, just thinking about this, I'm, I'm reading that, that verse in front of me where it says for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. Right. And that just jumps out at me because I was I was just the person who sat in the in the pews like okay well this is all for me it's my own edification or building me up into a better person I got all that you know I'd incorporate Sunday sermons into my quiet times during the week but I I really failed to make that like okay now I'm gonna go out I'm actually expected to go out and do this stuff mm-hmm. I remember reading. Um, it was, I think it was in the promo for Francis Chan's book, The Letters to the Church, where he said something along the lines of the church, we treat the a church service in North America, we treat that as that is church. Like I'm going to church and this is church and I can check off church for the week because right. I came for two hours on a Sunday and morning. And that's ludicrous, yes. Right. And, and he said, well, shouldn't it be a little bit more like a staff meeting, right? Like we're, we are all going out 
and serving Jesus and with our different gifts, whether it's weed eating or administration or, you know, taking somebody out for coffee and pastoring them. We are all doing that all the time. So let's get together every Sunday morning and, and keep pushing ourselves on towards loving good deeds as it says in Hebrews. Right. And, and so to his credit, Francis kind of dropped that mega church thing he had going on and he, and he moved into this model where once your church gets to 20 people, you're forced, your house church, you're forced to separate into a different one where, you know, every single person is, is held accountable to, have you talked to somebody about Jesus this yeah. week? Have you discipled somebody, somebody this week? Yeah, I'm uh, probably not ready to do something like that. I'm really blessed to hear his story about that. And, and, I think he's doing an amazing thing. I'm all for what he's doing. I I think that here in this verse with chapter 4 of Ephesians, what's really important, and I think what he's saying, that the church is really more like a staff meeting and that the going out is the church. The yeah. ecclesia, the actual word for church, is the going. It's mm. the going out makes it the church. The coming together doesn't make it the yeah. church. The being in unity of mind and spirit makes it the church. Now this, you know, we're kind of Bible study-ish today. Yeah. And this book, you got to think, I mean, I think everybody forgets that Paul is writing to Jewish Christians mm. and Gentile Christians having a struggle between the idea of chosen people, the children of Israel now have the Messiah sent to them. And those particular groups forget what he said, what Jesus said, first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. And so they tend to have a superiority complex. Okay, Paul, if you read chapter, is it two or three, where he starts to tell them this, that this was granted to the apostles, and they were all Jews, but then to the Gentiles. And I think... This fivefold discussion is that that he's saying you guys got to get unified as Gentiles and Jews, and you Jews have to get this that Jesus accepts the Gentiles. In fact, it says it's granted first to us to receive the Holy Spirit and know the mind of Christ, and now they have that same promise, that it has been also given to the Gentiles to have the Holy Spirit. So therefore, first he gave apostles this thing, and then he gave the prophets, and he gave all these people this gift of the Holy Spirit. Now take it, start believing in one another, because God chose you, both Gentile and Jew, and get the church out there working towards the salvation of all. Hmm. And I think that that's what we're talking about today that answers all of the questions of why is the church look like this? I think because they missed what Paul's teaching about Jews and Gentiles, about division. And I don't care if it's division. We have so many divisions with language, nationality, race, gender. We have all this argument. People always want to come and argue with me about gender. They want to argue with me about race. And I don't want to get involved. I just want to say, well, can you see good things happening? What do you see? Are the lost being found, the hopeless being given hope? Are the hungry being fed? Can anybody come and Receive Jesus, yes. None Mm. are excluded. That's really what he's saying. Can any come and work alongside of you? 
Yes, as long as they give their life to Jesus, they can come work alongside. You don't even have to do that to work alongside. Of in some in some aspects, you can weed eat and serve and set up tables and put our. We have huge events, and you can be part of those events without all that. Right. But if you want to get into the ministry of the gospel, preaching Jesus, leading in worship. Yes, you have to you have to turn your life over to him and have some fruit. But that's what he's talking about. He gave his spirit to them and that the the fruit of that spirit within you. He goes on to talk about those who walk in the spirit and those who walk in the flesh. And life serving Jesus. It's all so clear. But I, you know, you want to remember that sometimes when he's writing one of these letters, you got to look for is this one that's to strictly Gentile church, or is this one that has Jews and Gentiles mixed, and he's trying to get them to work together. And I believe Ephesians, and I, if I'm wrong, um, really sorry, but I'm pretty sure by memory, this is what this, you know, these second, third, fourth chapter about is get yourselves together and get out there and do it. Mm-hmm. And then he itemizes flesh and spirit, you know, yeah. and um, calling, so much you're calling, you've been called and the Gentiles have been called and you've been anointed with the Holy Spirit and the Gentiles have been anointed with the Holy Spirit. So you can't really tell someone who walks by the Spirit by their birth from Jews or or Gentile, you must know they walk by the Spirit because their lifestyle. Right. And that's what it's talking about. And that's why here at the Father's house, we want to get everybody filled with the Holy Spirit and then listen to Jesus. Let's get up and let's get going. Mm -hmm. Let's get out there and do the work of the gospel. Yeah, that that's what really I think that's what really drew us here, because I've always I've always been highly motivated by purpose. I, I I have a hard time doing something if I don't know the reason behind it, and that's I think that's what always drove me into ministry. Because from the time I became a Christian, I've shared this like I I was just like, all right, well, what am I going to do for Jesus? Yeah, um, not not what, what can I do. I guess that's a it's a huge blessing that my brain would even worked that way from the beginning of thinking now what can I give back to Jesus? I don't really take that as a I did it right. It's just sort of how it happened when I when I first became a Christian. My first inkling was okay, I've read the Bible. Seems like I'm supposed to be a missionary. Seems like I'm I'm supposed to be a minister of the gospel. And I got that at like 13. And it slowly kind of got watered down by by people telling me, well, I mean, he doesn't call all of us to give everything away, or he doesn't call all of us to go and and go out to a different country, and um, a lot of a lot of that like putting conditions on Jesus that we talked about before, uh, and so what really caused me to come here and just be excited is that I could live a normal life, a normal life sharing the gospel. And be one hundred. That's like my job is to to work for Jesus, right? During during the yeah. course of living a normal life with my family, with you know my kids growing up, seeing seeing that and being surrounded by other Christians, it's like we have the best of both worlds. We're not we're not like the only Christians in a town trying desperately to share. You know, like missionary would be. We are both surrounded by this unity of faith. And we're surrounded by a community that doesn't know Jesus that we need to to tell like desperately. So I saw that purpose and and that it seemed to really mesh with this verse of yeah we're going we are going out as the unity of of faith together going out to work on something with Jesus and we're not just we're not just relying on 
well, somebody else is going to do it for me, right? Um, another thing was like bringing my kids into this. Like we we visited before my youngest daughter, Arrow, was born. We we just had Jovi, our oldest, right. and we visited when she was like a year and a half or so just to see what it would be like to have her spend a day or two in the in the co-op nursery with the other kids from the staff and, and team members and see if we could even like do this thing as a family. And it was great. Like yeah. we, we really enjoyed that part. It wasn't this, a lot of people ask us like, how can you even be living like you guys live out there? Like, isn't it just crazy? And yeah, we do give a lot up. Like we're, we're very busy, but on the other hand, it's set up so well here that, that all we had to do is say yes. And everything is, everything else seems like, okay, well you said yes, it's taken care of. Like we will, we'll help you. We'll work together as the unity of faith to some of us have the gift to take care of your kids while you're running a podcast. Or my wife is working at the front desk of the gym while doing the school of transformation. You, you know, does that make sense? It just seems like a sustainable way of giving your life. So, uh, maybe that's not the right way to say it's sustainable, but it's it's practical. We are giving our lives, and we we didn't have to search for some far off country to go to to right. find a, a community that needs us, right? I think when giving your life into something like this is defined correctly, uh, and and that would be you know st- we, you're here to begin to change misconceptions, change confusion take off shame, all of the different things that different people need, and then be a blank slate to have a new story written. I think that the, that it's set up perfectly for that. And then you can say, I feel my gifts and talents would lead me in this direction. This is what I've always wanted to do. I feel God leading me to do this. And then so it's 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 perfectly situated and you get yourself into a perfect situation to have a team of 60 to 100 people behind you doing what you want to do because you came you put it all aside this first 6 months in the school of ministry to figure out who you really are. Who the more or less the verse we're talking about that who what did he gift you to do? What did he call you to do? And it's it's quite miraculous that how many people just suddenly feel thrilled. And to me, it comes back to the run and not grow weary, walk and not faint. It's an endless supply of the energy or the inertia to keep going because that's where it comes from. It comes from a laid down love, a laid down life. And you get over, you get outside your, your misconception of who you are. You get outside your misdirection of where you should go, your misunderstanding of what he's saying, and you're an open blank slate for him to write on you his, you know, what he's always wanted to, the manuscript he's always wanted to write on you. And you look at it and go, wow, I can see that I can see the possibilities here for the near future and on into the rest of my life and even my children's future. I can see it all written here. And it's 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 the most common result of what you just described you and your wife did. You come and it's like there is no future spelled out for you. It's just come and do this. And then as you do this, which is figure out who God is. Then figure out and then let him begin to reveal to you who 
that makes him makes you how so you figure out who God is and then you figure out who that definition of God makes you to be and you sit before him you lay before him you stand before him and he begins to write your future and it's amazing to watch people just come to the conclusion that the, the without all the things that everybody said they needed they don't have those anymore now all they have is reliance on him and a new belief in him and they say, my life, the best it's ever been. Yeah. So talk about that for a moment, because I, I have a, a friend that's been listening, and and he's like, yeah, like I, I don't find a lot of he, – he's struggling in, in like where he's at right now. He, he wants – he has a strong desire to follow Jesus, wherever Jesus calls him to, to be. And he's, he's getting the sense that for him and his family, that's not where he's at. Right. It's it's a call to go and and follow somewhere else, and so then, but he has this. He has a job. He he's a he knows he's got a skill. He knows what to do with his hands, and and I think there's a lot of people who are like, so what does that mean for my daily life? Like, great that you guys are doing this church thing where you work full time and uh, in the ministry here, but. Do, is that for everybody? Is that like, does this model the Father's house use? Is that, is, can that work anywhere? So there's this rigid line. Is that for everybody? Well, well, it could, it can be yes and it can be no. It's, it's, does it work for everybody? Yes. Does everybody have to follow this to have? No. But if you can't find it, if there's not, if, if my problem was, that I couldn't find anybody saying what I needed. Yeah. I couldn't find yeah. anybody willing to put their money where their mouth is, their life where their mouth, what they're saying, follow what they're saying, do what they're saying, support what they're saying, and have it be extremely real with the New Testament verses we read. And everybody I knew had to say, well, you had to read the Bible and throw out what they didn't like because it just was too hard or it just didn't fit what they believed. And so looking for a real unconfusing, simplistic, baseline, foundational message is the first thing you got to look for. And when you find it, give yourself into it. So a person that's good with their hands, me, I build houses. Yeah. Master carpenter can build anything that, you know, in a structural sense, I can't do finished work. I don't build cabinets, but I can build houses, forts, you know, I can build decks, all the, all the building things that a, a general residential carpenter would do, I can do. And so what do I use it for? So number one used it for, for the most part of my life, first part of my life, I used it to pay the bills so that I could do my ministry. So I would just jump in my truck. at. Th- I mean, it was like I was ready to go, man. 3.30 yeah. hits, boom, we're rolled up out of here. And I'd go flying into the parking lot, jump out, grab my guitar, lead worship, you know, or get started with a worship practice. I mean, we just, every day, you know, I'm doing this construction for one reason, to support my ministry, my habit, which was ministry. Yeah. And serving Jesus, loving kids, being a youth pastor. And they wouldn't pay me enough, so I had to do this construction thing. For Sometimes I would go out and pass out flyers and build fences and decks. Then I'm way more in control. I can put three hours in or 20 hours in, depending on the needs of the ministry. Well, later on in life, 
I opened the business of building custom homes. I'd always worked as a foreman for all these people, and I had these time constraints. But once I owned my own company, I could fit youth ministry administration throughout the day because they invented cell phones. There was a whole lot of things that started freeing you up. Yep. And then I just continued to build houses. And why build houses? I always ask the Lord, why do you want me to continue this building business and this church I started? And it was for the model of laying your life down, for the model of seeing how ministry in the marketplace outside the four walls of the church would would really be a spectacle to look at. And so I really did that for a long time. And my goal was always the ministry to my employees, which I always had non-Christian carpenters. Mm-hmm. I was always sharing Jesus with them. I was always telling them about trusting God. And I was always generous to them, proving proving to them that I was I, – I, lived what I believed. At the same time, I was running a church that had a school of ministry, an intern program, and it needed housing. So I mean, this church we're sitting in right now, I built it with my construction company. I, mm-hmm. I, the stairs out here, no one yeah. in my company could build stairs like that. I built stairs like that. I was the one that came down, cut it. So I use all my skills and I work for Jesus. I didn't need a pat on the back. I, my skills are to be used for Jesus. Right. Out here in the Father's house, you, you now know, you live in some apartments that we had to remodel. When we got them, they were a pile of garbage. <laughs> they still look to, like yeah. that on, on Google Earth. I yeah. showed some people, they're like, you live there? I'm like, no, we fixed them. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're beautifully fixed up. I mean, they're still tiny, but, you know, my skills did that. The school of ministry building, you went to school of ministry. The building was a turd, and it is gorgeous. <laughs> it didn't have a roof, yeah. didn't have a Yeah, we... My skills as a as a builder, I don't. I, that had nothing to do with my construction business. That had to do with me as a gifted man who knows what to do, and we put it together. I mean, it's gorgeous. And so, you know, you start to. The more I began to use my skills and my knowledge, because knowledge in contracting is your biggest thing. It, it's like a guy would come to me. I remember a guy coming to me and saying, "You know, I have. Comp- I'm really highly trained in computers, and I keep having to do all this computer stuff for the church for free." And I'm, he goes, I want to start charging, I don't remember what he said, $60 an hour. And I'd been counseling him forever. <laughs> yeah. And I said, you know, you and I have – I'm glad you said that because, you know, we've used you for some computer work, maybe 10 hours, and I'd be glad to pay you in the future. But I also have been giving you counseling for free, and I probably have 20 or 30 hours counseling you. So if – we have to pay you for a computer. You have to pay us for counseling. So I think it's going to cost you a lot of money to charge us for computers. Start keeping accounts. Yeah, yeah. we're going to start doing this. And I said, can you imagine the nightmare that is where everything you do, I got to pay you? Hmm. I said, don't you think it would be better if you did that computer work for Jesus and I did my counseling for Jesus and you benefit and I benefit? Wouldn't that be better for both of us? But if you want to turn it into a you know a marketplace thing, right? And you know value and all of that, and I don't think he ever got that because he he ended up going back to jail. He ended up going back to a lot of things, and 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 it's a crashed life. I think a far better way for a church to operate is that we all use our skills and talents and our abilities for Jesus. Yeah, I don't I don't get paid to to do contracting for the church. I would never because to me. The church belongs to Jesus. I'm going to charge Jesus for my work? No. 
I'm not. I owe yeah. him everything. I would like to build a hundred more stairs for him. I would like, like somebody today said, we're going to build a house on this property. I said, well, I, it hurts. You know, I, it's a lot of work to get out there and build a house. I said, but you know what? For Jesus, I'd do that. Right. Yeah. So I guess what I hear you saying is, when we're talking about vocation and ministry. A lot of times we see them as like mutually exclusive, right? In North America, it's oh, like, we well, do I can, in North America. I can be, I can either have a career or I can, you know, I, and I got, I got that a lot, you know, like, well, you're either going to go at the, at college, you're going to either choose to go the vocational route or you're going to go the ministry route, right? And, and uh, be careful which one you start on because that's the one you're going to end up on. And, yeah. And so there's some, they're like, well, I work so that I can pay people to do, do the works, do the work of the church. And other right. people are like, well, I'm doing the work of the church, so you owe me money for yeah. for doing that. And and it just seems like it's so inefficient when you yeah. think of it. It is. Like basically here, all we have, we have people that that have said, okay, I will I will live here and I will choose a, a tough route, which is living, living in Southside, giving up the dreams of the big house, you know, the... I don't know anybody that has more than one car, right? You yeah. know, if they've got one, yeah. and we're extremely blessed to have one. Yeah. Won't fit all our kids soon, but, you know, we'll deal with that. But they're giving this stuff up so that they can do both, right? Yeah. Work for Jesus, serve Jesus, minister to others for Jesus. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, time is the most important thing. That's and right. you only You only have so much time. You got to kind of do both. So I see your story. You kind of started out with, you kind of started on a little bit with that, okay, one or the other, and then it's blended into this both and. Yeah, I've always done both, but nobody would pay. You couldn't get paid to be a youth pastor. Right. So I worked as a carpenter. And then once I got to the point where, I mean, I worked to support my habit of ministry and my calling. And it's way more important, but never in my life have I been willing to charge the church. I remember up in Spokane, I used to do all kinds of maintenance and building for the church, and they would say, you've got to charge us. And I I just never did believe that. I think it's wrong thinking. I think it's wrong thinking to try to apply secular business standards or all, all of those things to the church because the goal of the church is to get you to trust Jesus for everything. And so for me, the job I had was provided by Jesus. The money I was paid was provided by Jesus. I gave, I, I gave and tithed and everything because it's his money, not mine. Even though I worked for it, I worked for him. And then that allowed me to preach the gospel. And so I've always had this attitude, and I always believe that the church has it wrong. They want you saving for the future, taking care of your college funds, and all those things. And I have to say, my number one job is not that. It's trusting Jesus and teaching others to trust in the Lord. Put full reliance on Him, and He will take care of you. And that really, more than anything, is the bottom line about all this. Even the scripture that says he gave the church evangelists, the first apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, is all he's really saying is, you guys aren't any better than each other. Get unified, work together, and get the gospel preached. Right. And whether and, and really this is about whether you're Gentile or, or Jew, you're not superior because you're Jewish. 
we are all called, and he has granted to us, it says in chapter 3, he is, it's all coming back to me, yes. he grants to us the Holy Spirit so that we can have the mind of Christ. Yeah. He grants to us a fullness of Christ through the Holy Spirit to live inside of us, that we can have his wisdom. And, and he's saying both Jew and Gentile. So I think that's tied into pastor, evangelist, prophet, mm-hmm. teacher. And it's all about quit struggling with hierarchy, quit struggling with whose gifts are better, and get together. And he gave all the gifts. So get together and work together for the furtherance of the gospel. All right. So for people listening out there who are like, okay, well, I've, I've done the career thing or the ministry thing solo my entire life, what would you say to them thinking about how we do it here and, and if they're thinking about, oh, maybe that'll work for me or, or yeah. I don't know how to even start? I'm not sure exactly what you mean, but if they want to come here, we'd love to have them. If they, <laughs> and we only have room, it's a limited space, yeah. so hurry. Um, but if they want to just stay put and try to turn, turn the boat around, and instead of working for themselves, work for Jesus, then he is masterful at these plans. How do I turn my life around to rely on him? How do I put myself in a position to work for him? How do I serve my church and get my church outside the four walls? How do I be a member of the body of Christ? A stone in the church that Jesus said, I've, upon this rock I build my church, it's the truth of Jesus Christ. Right. How do I become one of the stones in that church wall? Yeah, that's what you talked about this past weekend. So if you're if you're wondering about that message, that's up on our YouTube channel. You can definitely check out Steve's sermon. It was a really good one. Um, but that's sort of beside the point. Um, any any last thing you want to add? Yes, the working within the church in unity of faith is not an option. It is absolutely necessary to live in the blessing of Jesus Christ. Have a Christianity that works and have a have the gospel be the food you eat, the air you breathe, the sustenance of your soul. The, the when Jesus says blessed are the to have that source that fountain that never is replenished in your life, that run and not grow weary, walk and not faint power, comes from this very subject of stirring up your gifts to be used by Jesus, even poured out for Jesus Mm -hmm. in the church, and the church being the overall message that Jesus is Lord. He's the one that's coming. And, and so that's my real final thoughts on any subject where we're talking about the individual gifting, no one really being better than anybody else. No one's, you know, just it's, it's all about getting rid of the confusion. There's so many confusing messages. And Jesus's message is not confusing. Give your life to him. Turn it over to him. Hmm. Stop, drop, and roll. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate it. I know that's definitely going to clear up some stuff and probably stir up some stuff too for people, but that's what we're here to do. So um, I'm really glad to have you back, Steve. Glad to have Vicky back too and and excited to have you back in class for this morning. It's so good. 
yeah, we'll 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 just see what's what's coming. Excited to see what the Lord showed you on the cruise ship. So thank you very much, and we'll talk to you again next week. All right. Thanks for joining us. Next week on The Uncommon Truth, we're going to have a conversation about individualism and community and why the two are so hard to have together, what the Bible says about that and and how that works here at the Father's House. So definitely come back and check that out next week. If you haven't checked out the Father's House website, changeorville.org, you can find that in the show notes directly under the show. I've put links there to the church website, the School of Transformation and Life Recovery Ministries websites, as well as Project 61 Short-Term Ministries. You can check all those out. While you're there, definitely swing over to our YouTube channel where you can find Steve and Jordy's sermons. And uh, you can also get on to Amazon and find a copy of Steve's books, uh, one of them anyway, and get to reading some of those if you're excited for some more of the Father's House content. And if you're finding the uncommon truth encouraging and thought-provoking, I would encourage you to share it with some friends. While you're at it, please leave us a rating on iTunes or Spotify or Google Play Music, wherever you get your podcasts at. Leave us a rating and a review. Tell us how much you enjoy us. And what that does is it just helps boost us up the the natural rankings there so that more people can find us when they search for podcasts about Christianity. Until next week, this has been The Uncommon Truth.